Today starts this series called Vision, and if you're our guest today, uh, today's a little different because we're kind of talking about where we're going as a church family, but hopefully it'll make sense to you wherever you are in your spiritual journey, and we just invite you to jump on board with us and be part of what God is doing here. So by God's grace, we have a vision at Cornerstone that doesn't change every few months because everything we do and believe around here is based on the Word of God. It's not based on our feelings or our thoughts or our smart ideas or our poor ideas. Uh, It's based on the Word of God. So part of our vision is something that's called the Four Corners. If you've been attending here for a while, you may know what they are. And I'm going to summarize them really quickly. Because whenever we do a new vision series, it's not that where we're going is changing. It's that every couple years, um, we look at how we're getting where we're going and we refresh some of our tactics. But our destination, our goals don't change. Our goal is to be uh, a church. What do we say? Not a big church or a little church, not a hip church or a traditional church. Our goal is to be a church where Jesus Christ is truly the head of the body. Well, in his word, in scripture, God explains for us what a healthy church looks like. So that's where we get our four corners. And they're actually up here on stage every week, but you may just not see them because they're there every week. So, uh, so rescue. A healthy church is a church that rescues. In other words, a healthy church is a church that is reaching the lost. A healthy church is not a country club. A healthy church is a hospital. It's a place that realizes we're here on earth not to build a comfortable place for ourselves. We're here on earth to reach those who don't yet know the hope of God through Christ. We're here to feed the poor and to help the needy and to point people to God. So a healthy church is a church that rescues. And our vision announcement today uh, is really in, within that rescue corner of our four corners. A healthy church then, after we introduce people to Jesus, Scripture describes them as uh, infants, newborns. And a healthy church is a place that feeds those baby Christians so that they grow strong spiritually. That's what the transform corner is about. If you've had a moment in your life where you trusted in Christ, where you acknowledged, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I understand from your word that I can't earn my way to you, but today, Lord, I want to ask you to forgive my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I want you to be my Savior. If you've had that moment, then you're adopted into the family of God. But a lot of us, we do that, and then we kind of run around with spiritual diapers on, right? We don't really grow spiritually. And that's what the transform corner is about. Uh, God's word's really clear. How we grow is by getting into scripture together. Uh, It's by getting together with other believers. And so as a church at Cornerstone, we're here to reach the lost, and then we're here to transform the reached. We want to help you grow so that you know God's word, so that you know what it is to walk in step with the spirit, so that you have brothers and sisters who uphold you spiritually. And then Jesus said that a healthy gathering of believers in John 13, he said, this is how all people will know that you're my disciples. And it's not by our um, slick presentations or our really sophisticated arguments. It's actually by our love. So that's our third corner is that we love each other deeply. Uh, Because when we follow God, when we get adopted into his family and he fills us with his spirit, uh, he puts into us a love for other believers that is supernatural. So people who have warts or wounds, people who have personality types that conflict with yours, you're able to love those folks, not out of your own nature, but because God is living in you. And that's the mark of, of a church where God is present and is working, that there are people who are not perfect 
but who are gracious and who are loving. And that's uh, one of our four corners here. And then our final one is serving. God doesn't save us to sit in pews. He saves us to serve. Uh, We don't serve to earn our salvation, but once we're saved, then God does have things for us to do because we're now kind of his agents on earth. We are his hands and feet to do his work on earth. So there's a verse in Ephesians that says, first of all, that you're saved by grace through faith, not by your good works. But you're saved so that once you get adopted into God's family, then you can spend your life on earth discovering what the good works are that God has for you to do. So we don't serve to earn God's favor uh, because his favor was earned on the cross, but we serve because we have his favor and we serve because we are now uh, his ambassadors on earth. So those are the four corners of a healthy church. Those don't really change around here, but the elders and I were constantly praying about, Lord, how are we doing in each of these? So today our vision announcement is about the rescue corner. How are we actually reaching the lost? What are we doing as a church to make sure that we don't become inward focused and become a place that's all about us and our friendships and how comfortable we are? Well, praise God, through things like Harvest America, we're reaching people here in the United States. Through Pastor Dan, our pastor of evangelism, through uh, when we have big Easter services or other services and you guys invite your friends and family, we usually have a, a few dozen people here who make professions of faith every year and get adopted into God's family. Uh, but we want to be doing even more. So there's a thing called uh, missions. A lot of churches call it missions. We call it uh, sometimes missions here. Sometimes we call it rescue. Uh, it's the idea of reaching people who don't yet know freedom in Christ. They don't have everlasting life, and they also don't have freedom in this life. Uh, they haven't been set free from the chains of sin and addictions and other things. So I'm about to show you guys something that's really cool uh, that we can celebrate together, okay? And it is what we together as a church family are able to do um, in our global rescue operations, okay? So here you can see in 2008, so that's uh, four years ago, soon to be five years ago. In 2008, we gave 16500 to global rescue, okay? Now, here's what we're on track to give this year. In 2014, together, all of us working together, we're on track to give $151,000 to reaching those who don't yet know Christ. Is that worth celebrating? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? Again, you know, together, when we come together under Christ as our leader, we can do things together that we could never do on our own. Not very many of us could contribute 151000 a year to missions on our own, but together we sure can. And here's the thing, uh, really reaching the lost is, is a lot, it takes a lot more than dollars. Dollars are part of it, but it takes relationships. It takes prayer. And, and that number is really just kind of, in a sense, symbolic. It's a real hard number, but it's symbolic that all of us coming together financially, we're also all coming together relationally. Uh, we're bringing our gifts together. And, and that's part of what we're going to see today is that uh, as, as we've prayed about, God, how do you want us to reach the world? We've realized even as a church, there's other people we can come together with to do more than we could ever do on our own. So that's our, our next point, uh, is, is this first half. Together, we already generously support 14 missionaries 
in 10 countries. Uh, and we've got some really cool ones. If you guys haven't met them, uh, you can go to our missions table out in the lobby. Uh, we get to work with some gals who are in Cambodia helping to rescue children who are literally slaves uh, in the sex trafficking industry. And we get to work with some American young women who are over there literally getting kids out of those scenarios rehabilitating them emotionally, training them to have uh, a normal living so that they don't have to go back into that industry. Um, we've got missionaries in Papua New Guinea who are going to tribes where people have never even heard of Jesus. They've never even heard of the Bible. They have no concept of it. And we have missionaries there. We've got missionaries in Africa. So we are praising God that we already get to generously support those 14 missionaries. And our support for them is only increasing as God continues to bless our church. But about two years ago, uh, as I saw this trend, uh, I went to the elders and I said, guys, uh, could we start praying together about the possibility of, in addition to that, finding a region, being led by the Spirit of God to a village or a city or a region where we could really make a lasting impact, where we could year after year go back some of our people. Uh, and maybe some of our kids, as they grow up, they can go back to the same village year after year. And 15 or 20 years from now, we could look back and we can see, wow, uh, there's an entire work there of God changing lives that we got to be part of. Uh, so we're still invested around the globe, but we want to invest really deeply in one place where we can kind of tangibly see what God is doing. So that's what we've been praying about. And Pastor Clovis, our executive pastor, has kind of been the, the key person. When he came on board a couple years ago, uh, that was one of the top things was, Clovis, can you uh, help us as we pray through finding this place? And that's our big announcement today is we get to announce where that place is. Uh, but you could put it this way. We're already generously supporting those 14 missionaries in 10 countries, and, and we're committed to them, and we're actually increasing our support to them. But we're also committing to making a lasting impact in one specific region. And this took a lot of prayer with our missions team, which is uh, a number of you folks, lay folks who are on the team, and our elders and, our, uh, and Pastor Clovis and some other staff. Lord, there's a lot of places around the world where we could go. Will you lead us to the one place where you have ordained that we do go? So we're really excited to announce that for you guys today and for you guys to see how if we continue working together, um, God will continue to change the world through us. So I'm going to pray. We're going to take our offering. If you're part of our church family, this is when we invest uh, from our heart as led by the Lord, not out of guilt or shame, but we give back to him. And by the way, everything you give here, 15% of it goes back out the door. That's where that hundred some thousand dollars comes from, is that everything that comes in here, 15% uh, of it goes right back out. So you're already part of changing the world if you're contributing here. If you're our guest here, we are not after your money today, okay? We're here to encourage you in the Lord. The only thing we'd love for you to drop in that offering is that hi there card if you're led, because we would love to get to know you. So will you pray together with me? Oh, Father, we thank you that you are a father to the fatherless. Lord, when I look around this world at the people who don't have food, the people who don't have clean water, people who don't know salvation and new life through you, Lord, sometimes I just, I, it, the, need, the needs are so great. They're so big. And you know, Lord, sometimes I get discouraged by that. I think, what could I do? Just one little guy. 
What could I possibly do in this huge world where there are such great needs? Thank you, Father, that when we all come together as one, we're able to do some really big things for you that we could never do uh, on our own. And we just pray today, Lord, as we announce uh, a next step in that, that you would encourage the hearts of your people here. Lord, uh, as we give back these tithes and these offerings to you, um, we're not checking off a thing on a spiritual to-do list. We are worshiping you. We're declaring that you are the most, most um, thing, you have the most worth of anything in the universe. We give you worth. We give you praise. And, and that's what we're declaring as we give you part of our hearts in these gifts. Lord, we just pray as Christians in the wealthiest church in world history and one of the only national churches that's declining in the world right now, that you will, that you'll take these gifts and that with them that you'll take our hearts, that we will not grow inward focused, that we will not live as if this world is our home, that we will not store up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt, but that we will, that we'll send ahead eternal treasures into your kingdom. So Lord, with these gifts, please take our hearts and take our marriages and take our homes and our careers and our health Catch us up, Lord, in the work that you're doing around the world today. Will you catch us up in things that you're doing that we could never do on our own? And will you work among us? Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Lord, soften the soil of our hearts. Open our deaf ears and open our blind eyes that we would hear from you, that we would see you today. Lord, communicate your heart to us and help us to respond, to be caught up in your purposes today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, did you figure it out? <laughs> it's pretty obvious that uh, we believe that God's calling us to go to Zambia and to focus our energies and, and resources there and be in a relationship there with Church on the Rock and uh, Sarah Rose Foundation, which you'll hear more about uh, here in a little bit. But that doesn't mean that we won't be supporting other missionaries and ministries in other places in the world in addition to the 10 countries we already are in. And it doesn't mean that we might not take a team to Mexico or to Haiti, but we are going to be focusing our energy and resources on, uh, on Zambia. And there are a number of reasons why we, we think God is calling us and leading us to that. Uh, one of those reasons has to do with the fact that uh, we are... Uh, we went even this summer with uh, Reach Global, which uh, Reach Global is the mission organization of the Evangelical Free Church of America, which we're a part of. We are a part of the Evangelical Free Church of America, and we have been supporting missionaries with Reach Global for many years, um, including uh, we've been supporting Merle and Claudia Weens for many years, and and then we also are establishing a relationship with Eric Dalrymple, and these, these are people who are with Reach Global. Now, the benefit of that is that they, particularly the Weens, have been on the ground in Africa for over 20 years. And so uh, when it comes to trying to figure out how can we best help uh, a ministry somewhere, uh, they're there, they've they had the experience, and they can help guide us and lead us through that, which is huge. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't really know how to do it. And so uh, they're coming alongside us. In fact, they were here yesterday. That picture was taken yesterday. And uh, we were meeting and talking and meeting with Barbara, who's here, and I'll only be introducing her in a little bit, uh, to talk about how can we work together 
and uh, minister together and help further the ministries that's going on there um, in Zambia. So that's, that's a huge part of the reason. And also, as we, um, as a ministry, the mission ministry, we have evaluated and came up with some values that we believe are really uh, sort of our values as a ministry. And so any, any ministry we consider supporting or obviously partnering with, uh, we have to evaluate and consider, are they in line with these values? And uh, each one of these, and of course, they kind of uh, align with the four corners, evangelistic, evangelistically focused, is a, is a big part of it, is, is the ministry, you know, focused on preaching the gospel and taking the gospel to unreached people groups or to, to people? Is it biblically based? You know, are they solidly founded on scripture and are they teaching and preaching the scripture? Is it uh, focused on equipping and discipling and transforming people? Does it allow for participation? Can we participate in what they're doing? How can we be involved is, is a high value for us. And, and for Zambia, one of the things, one of the values, one of the things that are, you know, makes this appealing is the fact that uh, in Zambia, they speak English. You know, it was a British colony. Uh, even, and, you know, the younger children may speak a tribal language, but eventually when they start school, they start speaking English. So, you know, we don't have to necessarily rely on interpreters. We're able to communicate. We're able to have ministry with them. So that's a important part. And then just being good stewards of the resources uh, that God has given us, not only for us to be good stewards, but whatever ministries we partner with, we feel like they are good stewards with the resources that God has given them. And uh, we believe that is definitely the case uh, with the ministries in Zambia. So those are the reasons, some of the reasons, there's more, but those are some of the reasons why we think God is calling us to focus there. Um, And as we are doing that, we, again, we're partnering with Reach Global uh, we're fortunate this morning to have Eric Dalrymple, who is taking on a new role with Reach Global, where his role and his responsibility is to help churches partner with ministries in Africa. That's his responsibility. And so uh, we're thrilled to have him here. Uh, he's going to come and share a little bit about, uh, you know, Reach Global's perspective on us uh, partnering with uh, Kitwa. And uh, the ministries there, by the way, I see Tom and Lynn are here, so you can't say what you said in the first service about them. Okay. All right. Just now. Greetings. Tom and Lynn, where are you? Oh, there you are. Good to see you. Um, greetings from Shiloh Community Church in Phoenix, uh, which is actually the, the church that Pastor Tom and Lynn planted back probably in the mid-80s, um, and I was very young at that point. But um, about 17 years ago, Pastor Tom uh, invited me to join the pastoral staff at Shiloh Community Church, and he and Lynn have been key mentors and friends to Sarah and I, my wife and I, uh, all of these years, and we love them deeply. And uh, I got two things. One, we're jealous that they're here and not there. Um, But secondly, um, uh, if you want some stories about Pastor Tom, I got, uh, well, that's not what we're here for, though. Um, You know, about a year ago, year and a half ago, God made it very clear to me that he was moving me in a different direction. He was turning my face uh, to, to be involved in international missions with Reach Global. And so I've, I'm stepping out of my pastoral position at Shiloh Community Church and stepping into Reach Global to be the, the uh, leader of partnership development. And you know, at, at Reach Global, uh, we are committed to multiplying transformational churches among all people. 
But you know, the way that we go about doing that is a little bit unconventional in some ways. In fact, we have uh, relationships and partnerships in many countries around the world, especially in Africa, where we don't actually have Western missionaries on the ground. And Zambia is one of those places. We've been developing a relationship with Pastor Edward and Barbara. And, uh, and you know, they can do so much more effective ministry than we can. They know the culture. They know the people. And they're stellar people and leaders. And we're so excited to get behind them. And, you know, uh, another um, value for us at Reach Global is partnership. Uh, we believe in the power of partnership, that we are indeed better together when we come together to minister. And, uh, and I'm excited about the relationship that's being formed here between Cornerstone and the Sarah Rose Foundation, uh, because I believe that when we come together and, uh, and the church utilizes its gifts together, it's like two soldiers coming onto the front lines and standing together and saying, we are here to battle for the kingdom of God. One thing that I would just like to leave with you as a church, my wife works for Food for the Hungry, and uh, one of the values of Food for the Hungry is mutual transformation. And I love that term, uh, mutual transformation. And what that means is, as we, as we engage with other ministries around the world, we don't come as Western Americans just to come fix everything and transform, but we come to also be transformed. We come with a heart and an attitude that says, how do we come alongside? And what can we learn from you as we bring what God has given us? And that's my prayer for Cornerstone, my prayer for so many other churches around the United States that may have the opportunity to come and to partner as you do. So thank you so much for the opportunity to be here, and, uh, and God bless you. It's good to see you, Tom. Well, you know, talking about together, God uh, describes the church as a body. We're all these different parts that work together. And part of that is that we all have different strengths and we all have different weaknesses. You know, one of my weaknesses is that I'll, I'll get passionate about something and I'll just do it. You know, like, well, we'll figure it out. Like, let's just start doing it and then we'll figure it out. And uh, Pastor Clovis, our executive pastor, he and I are great at working together because Clovis is much more measured and calculating. And uh, sometimes he'll say, you know, John, if we just jump right into doing that, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Uh, no, never did think about that. <laughs> Glad you bring it up. And that's uh, one of the really neat things of us getting to work together um, with Pastor Clovis on our staff and then with Eric and the other uh, connections we have of Americans ministering in Africa is that there's kind of a trend right now. In fact, there's a number of books out right now. One's called When Helping Hurts that describe Americans, Westerners with our big American dollars, and we go into some less developed country and we just throw this money around and the motives are good. Like, we're going to rescue this. We're going to make it all better. And by the time it's all said and done, the Americans leave and we've just done way more damage and hurt than good and wasted a lot of money in the process. Um, that's a trend, unfortunately. And guys like Eric and Merle Weens, who are on the, uh, on the ground in Africa, they've seen these stories, and we're not going to take your time telling those horror stories today. The good news is, by God's grace, we're not going to be one of those horror stories because uh, we're getting to work 
together with people who specialize in how do you connect an American or Western ministry with an African ministry in a way that's totally positive and helpful as opposed to harmful. So I'm going to talk with you guys for just a minute about together, and we always want to open God's Word when we get together. So if you've got a copy of God's Word, we'll be in Philippians chapter 1, looking at verse 27. I don't know if you ever get discouraged when you see the evil in the world, when you see the the problems in the world. I I think a lot of us, we kind of turn our eye away. You know, if you're watching TV or or if you're online and all of a sudden an ad comes up and there's a a picture of a child with a cleft palate and their face is mangled and the ad's asking for money. If you're like me, you know, we just tend to turn away. And, And the reason we do or the reason I do is because there's this kind of this guilt, there's this tension that in my heart... I really want to help everyone who's starving. In my heart, I really want to get water to the people who don't have water. In my heart, I I really want to help every child in the world who has a cleft palate. In my heart, I really want to get the good news of salvation through Christ to everyone who doesn't know it. I want that, and I'll go to a missions conference, or I'll hear from a missionary, and I'll get excited about it, and then I get back to my American life, and there's this underlying tension in me. That I want to help, but I kind of have a mortgage to pay, and I've got kids to take care of. And at the end of the day, when I see how big these problems are, I sometimes wonder, what can I do? You know? Little old me, these huge, massive problems. In fact, we've got a picture here of one of these giant dust storms that come in and cover Phoenix sometimes. And for me, sometimes when I'm praying and sometimes when I travel around speaking to ministries around the country about even just the church in North America, I feel like evil is like one of these giant dust storms and evil is just spreading around the globe and the needs are so massive. The needs are so big that I don't know what I could possibly do to be part of the solution. And so it's like we want to be part of the solution, but we don't know how we can. And there's a, there's a discouragement if you're like me or, or even kind of a guilt. Well, my goal for you today is that, that you can kind of wake up in the morning knowing that you are part of the solution knowing that you are actively doing something, uh, and that can't be done alone. See, there was a church that had a similar tension, a church in a city called Philippi, and they really wanted to change their region that they lived in for Jesus. They wanted to get the word out, and they were somewhat discouraged at how big of a task that was. So Paul the Apostle wrote to them, and we're going to see his words in just a moment, but here's the big takeaway. We can do together what we could never do alone. Paul writes to this church and he says, church at Philippi, believers, you're going to get discouraged at times when you see how big the task is that God has given us to change the world, but stick together in doing it because when you all come together, you can do things for God's kingdom. You can change the world in ways that you never could on your own. Let's look really quick at Philippians 1 verse 27. Paul writes and he says, whatever happens... Conduct yourselves, live your lives in a way that's worthy of the gospel or the good news of Christ, okay? Believers, no matter what happens, no matter how you get discouraged, keep living knowing that you are now God's presence on earth. 
Then Paul says, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, and here's our big idea today, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. All of you believers at one church, you stand firm in one spirit, contending or striving for the faith of the gospel. And here's what's awesome about this little phrase, striving as one. Uh, A lot of older translations will say striving as one man or striving as one person. There's this idea that, that we come together with such a unity of mind and such a unity of spirit that together we're striving as almost like this one gigantic being, this one giant person who can accomplish all sorts of things that all of us on our own never could accomplish. You can put it this way. God changes the world. How? Through his people. And how does he change the world through his people? When they work together. You know, when Jesus left this earth and he told his disciples, you're going to go make disciples of, you're going to be the ones who change the world. Well, why did Jesus come in the first place? He came because this world is broken by sin. That's why this year, that's why right now, today, if you double the population of the United States, that many people today are starving. That many people today do not have access to clean water. Why? Because of Satan. Because Jesus said that Satan came to kill and steal and destroy. Satan, who's the prince and the ruler of this world until Christ returns, Satan loves to see people starving to death. He loves to see murder and rape and warfare. And and he's ruling this world, and there's one force on this world to combat against him. And do you know what that is? It's us. It's God's presence on earth. That's why Jesus calls us his body. We come together as Christ's body to advance justice and hope and the good news of Christ on earth But God tells us over and over, if one of you goes and try and do this on your own, you're not going to be able to. You have to do it together. Here's a couple examples of that. Every New Testament word picture for the church. Every time God gives us a word picture of the church, it's a picture of many pieces coming together for God's purposes. In 1 Corinthians 12, he calls us a body. That we're one body with many parts, and those parts have to come together to accomplish the purposes of God. That's the passage that tells us that we don't just go to church, we are the church. And by the way, some Americans misunderstand that because we're so independent as Americans. Have you ever heard an American say, I don't have to go to church because I am the church? Well, next time someone tells you that, you can open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because that's where they're getting the first half of their idea. It's true if you know Christ and you've been adopted into his family that you are the church. But do you know when you are the church? When you come together with the other parts of the body. A pinky finger out on the sidewalk all by itself is probably not going to change the world, is it? You know, an ear, an ear out there all by itself isn't going to change the world. The the body works when it comes together. And that's the whole point when God tells us you are the church is that because you are the church, gather together with the other parts of the body so that you can actually be the church. He calls us a building with many stones that come together. He calls us a flock of many sheep. You could put it this way. I cannot fulfill God's plan for me alone. You can't. God has a good plan for your life. But there's no one from Genesis to Revelation, all the spiritual heroes of history and of God's word, there's not a single one who fulfills God's plan for their life without depending on and being interconnected with other believers whether it's Abraham or Moses or David or Peter or Paul or even Jesus himself, you cannot fulfill God's plan for you alone. 
But the upside of that is that you can fulfill all of God's plans for you when you gather together with his people. So Paul says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves worthy of the gospel, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Here's what I want to encourage you guys with today. I want to build you up with this. Together, we are doing great things for God that we could never do alone. If you're part of what God is doing here, you already are being part of changing the world. If you contribute here financially, you already are feeding the poor, getting water to people who don't have water, helping to get children out of sex trafficking, helping to get the good news of salvation to people who've never heard of Jesus. Together, we are doing more than we could ever do on our own. Here's the question for you. Are you part of what God is doing through Cornerstone together? Are, are you part of it? Are you part of it? Because he's increasingly using us around the world. And I just want to know, are you part of it? And I want to invite you to be part of it. So uh, have you guys ever seen a football team, a winning football team that doesn't huddle I've never seen it. I've never seen a winning football team that doesn't ever get into a huddle, right? Good teams come together because together they can do what they could never do on their own, no matter how talented of athletes they are. Well, it's the same with us as a church. We're kind of like this huddle. And you know what? Some of you have been kind of buzzing around the edges of it. You drop in once or twice a month or once or twice a season. Some of you, it's your first week. No matter where you are, my invitation to you today is to step one step further into the huddle. So that's our final question. What's your step into the huddle? For you to resolve this tension of there's all these problems out in the world, you can't fix them, but you can be part of the body of Christ together being part of God's solution. But are you part of it? And, and how can you take one step deeper into the huddle? And for some of you, it's just deciding, you know what? I, I'm not just going to go to church when it's convenient or when it's an off week or once or twice a month. I'm really going to be there consistently. I'm going to be together. For others, uh, it's serving. You know, I'm going to start serving with my gifts and be part of the team. For others, it's investing financially. Uh, you've been coming. You've been being fed. And it's time to start contributing so that God can feed others. Contributing so that as you give, God reaches others who also need him. Maybe it's joining a community group where you've got a, a weekly group of men or women or men and women where you come together and they tell you their problems and you tell them your problems and you guys look at the word of God and pray and you grow week by week in Christ. Or for some of you, that next step is considering praying about going to Zambia next summer, being part of the team. That's the step for some of us. I'm going to go. I've got some medical skills or I've got some construction skills or I don't know if I have any skills, but I'm available. That's a skill, okay? And maybe for you, that's the step that God's leading. So, so the, that's our question today. What's your next step into the huddle. I'm going to pray that for you as Barbara and Pastor Clovis come up. We're going to hear from Barbara now. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord. I just pray that you'd work in our hearts. Show each of us that next step that we can take closer into the huddle. 
Thank you, Lord, that together we are doing more than we could ever do on our own. And Lord, I know you desire, not out of any guilt or any shame, but just out of your love, your desire the best for us, that each person in here would step closer to the middle of that huddle of what you're doing through your church. So Lord, show each one of us. Is it attending more often? Is it starting to give with time or with resources? Is it going on the trip next summer? Would you show us what that next step is? And right now, Lord, as we hear from Barbara, Uh, fill her with your Holy Spirit and speak to us through her, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's my privilege to uh, introduce to you this morning Barbara Mwansa, who is from Kitwa, uh, Zambia. So would you welcome her this morning? Thank you very much. She and her husband, Edward, Pastor Edward, uh, co-founders of Church on the Rock, and the Sarah Rose Foundation there in Kitwa. Um, also, they have three children. I think there's a picture up on the screen that shows their children, uh, Alpha, Isaac, and Malinga. And uh, so we had the privilege this summer with the team that was there to get to know them very well, and uh, we're so thankful for them. We want to give you a chance to get to know Barbara a little bit, and so I'm going to ask you, Barbara, to share a little bit of the story of how the Sarah Rose Foundation came into existence, which has a number of ministries. You saw that in the video, the orphanage, the feeding center, the maternity home, the boys' ranch, etc. So um, why don't you share a little bit of that story? Thank you, and greetings from Zambia. Uh, They love you, and they are praying for you as I'm here today. Um, my husband and I, we uh, both struggled in having children. Each time I was expecting, my child died. And uh, I lost four children. Either my child lived only for six hours after birth or maybe for, for a day. And the trend just continued like that. But um, in, within my heart, I struggled a lot. I was hurting. I was grieving. And one time, God opened an opportunity, a door for me to come to San Diego in 1998, where women were getting together for healing because of their losses. And uh, I flew here, and I came to San Diego, California, and I was part of the team. I was the only one from Africa amongst the nine women that came to attend that post-abortion program. And when I was in that program, women started giving testimonies and sharing their stories. And uh, the first one who spoke, she spoke about abortion. The second one, the same. But within my heart and where I was seated, I was very much sweating and struggling. What am I going to say? Because I had an issue. My two past abortions in my life were a big secret that even when I was traveling, coming out of Zambia to San Diego, My husband was not aware of it. He only knew about the losses that we were facing between the two of us. So it's like I always tell people that God tricked me because he brought me to an environment where I could share my story. But eventually my time came and I shared my story. And immediately I felt um, the freedom and the silence was broken and I felt the voice within myself that I've called you to go and save. And um, after that, I spent about three to four weeks in San Diego at the offices where they do some crisis pregnancy ministry 
and uh, I saved with them. I got some more training, and I went back to Zambia. But remember, my husband was not aware. So again, I started struggling. What am I going to tell him? And each time he asked me, I only shared about, oh, it was good. America is good, and we had this program, and I never disclosed. But eventually, uh, something within me just said, just share. Well, within, I think, the fourth day, I opened up to my husband, and I shared my two pastor abortions, and I shared about the healing that I received when I was in San Diego. And again, I felt the total freedom now to move in and uh, start something like a crisis pregnancy center in Zambia. By that time, uh, it was a new concept, something that has never been established in Zambia, Nobody knew about crisis pregnancy ministry, but we had to start anyway. We started Silent Voices. And uh, from that time in 1998 up to today, Silent Voices has saved 6,000 to 7,000 babies from abortion. And And not only that, we didn't know that God had called us to do many things just through the pain that I went through in my life. One day I was at a crisis pregnancy center and uh, I had this client, a girl called Cecilia. She was only 14 years old, came for a pregnancy test and uh, she was contemplating on having abortion. And then after having, uh, hearing her story, she told me she lived on the streets uh, from eight years old. She was just there on the streets and the boy that impregnated her was also only 15 years old, who also lived on the streets. As a matter of fact, Zambia is one of the countries where the HIV and AIDS pandemic has hit the nation so much that most of the parents are dead, leaving the children, you know, in extended families who then are not taking care of them nicely, and they choose to run away to go on the streets so that they can beg for food, they can beg for, you know, the things that can help them to live. So that's how that Cecilia came. And then I struggled that day because I wasn't expecting I'll be having a client like this one. Then I was like, what am I going to do? She's pregnant and then she doesn't have a place to live. So I called my husband if he can accept me to go with Cecilia at home. And my husband agreed. I was so happy. We went together home, and we spent the whole nine months with Cecilia at my place until she delivered. But Cecilia had no intentions to continue staying with her baby. She wanted to continue with her own life. She, she wasn't thinking I'll be having a baby because she was young. She was a child. But it was during that nine months period that God started showing us the greatest need that we had in Zambia, that we can at least extend and help the people and the teen moms and the the people in Zambia effectively. We expanded the ministry just from the crisis pregnancy center. We opened an orphanage, and Cecilia's son is still in the orphanage. He's almost, almost 12 years now, and he's doing very well, but Cecilia left, and she, she weren't. And, um, We expanded it from there to a maternity home where we've been helping the girls with their skills 
and helping just to empower them after they finish the program and after they deliver, we empower them and they start their small businesses. But also we looked into the uh, intentions of bringing out the boys also from the streets because they were highly involved in what was going on in the lives of those teen moms. So we opened a facility which we call a boys ranch for the boys and we have boys that has been transforming and even from the drugs that they've been doing, the sniffing of sticker and also all sorts of things like sexual activity because there's nothing that they do on the streets but just doing all those things. So we have a facility for them. But also there's an area which is very highly impoverished and it's just near the orphanage. We saw a lot of those grandmoms and um, other guardians that have remained with the children, the under five children, because their parents are dead, they were bringing their children to the orphanage to say, take care of them. Please just give them a meal. Please just give them a meal. Then we thought of extending the project into the St. Michael so that we can just be feeding and educating them. And that's how the ministry was expanded from a crisis pregnancy center from my story and, and to the whole Sarah Rose Children Foundation. Sarah Rose was one of my daughter that died among us, the four children that we lost and to abortion. So we have six children that are waiting for us in heaven. Thanks, Barbara. I'd like you to also share uh, the story of Mulinga, which is uh, your daughter. Um, I think people would be interested in hearing that. Yeah, um, we were blessed with Alpha, who is um, 17 years old now. We named him Alpha because he was the beginning, and we asked for just one child, but God was so gracious, he gave us Isaac because we laughed. We were not expecting Isaac will also live, but we just said, oh, this one has lived. So we laughed. We named him Isaac. And then on the 2nd February of 2010, um, it was during rainy season, the social welfare department called me because they picked, someone picked a baby in the bush. More, many of the girls in Zambia, when they don't know what to do, they don't know where to go, where to receive help when they are pregnant, they just tend to go in the bush, deliver, leave the child there and just come back. But that girl was very, uh, very fortunate because there was a man that was going to the fields early in the morning and heard the baby cry. He didn't know whether it was a baby or an animal, but she kept on crying alarmingly. And then he started searching. He found there was a baby. And this baby was being beaten. There were a lot of ants around her. She was being beaten around the neck or the back. And she was in the pool of water because it was rainy season. He took his shirt and he wrapped the baby and took the baby to the hospital. That's how the government had to inform me that there's a baby that at least Sarah Rose can take and uh, put in, be placed in the home. Then I asked the social welfare juvenile inspector, is that a boy or a girl? They told me she was a girl. Then I said, that's my baby. I'm coming to collect her. That's how God blessed me with a baby girl, Mulenga. Mulenga means creation. Yeah, so she just kept saying, that's my baby. 
And uh, she just went there and got her, and she's now their daughter. By the way, Malinga doesn't know that she's adopted, so uh, if you go to go with us in the summer, <laughs> keep that in mind. I, uh, I wish we had more time. We don't. We're running out of time. But we will be at the Rosser campus tonight at 6.30, and uh, Barbara will be sharing more. So you'll be able to hear more and find out more about the ministries there, more about her, get to know her better. Uh, so join us, please, please, tonight at uh, 6.30 uh, at the Rosser campus. So I just also want to mention that in your bulletin, there is that response card. And if you're interested in going this summer or just finding out more how you can be involved with these ministries, please fill that out and put it in the, uh, the white buckets as you leave. We're going to pray for Barbara now. I'm going to ask John to come out and Eric, if he'll come up on stage. And we just want to lay hands on Barbara and just ask God's blessing on her and on the ministries there in Kitwa and just our future relationship with them. Uh, so join me as we pray. Oh, Lord, I am just so thankful for the privilege of knowing Barbara and Edward and the opportunity that we had this summer <clears throat> to be able to go and to see firsthand how you're working there uh, through them and through the ministries there of the Sarah Rose Foundation and Church on the Rock. Lord, I just uh, thank you for their heart and uh, how they just love you and how they love people and how they love children and how you are using them uh, to transform lives there in such a significant way. So, Lord, I just pray your blessing on them, Lord. I just pray that you'd continue to guide them, lead them, provide for them, Lord. It's overwhelming when we think about it and look at all the needs and we see the 150-plus children being fed on a daily basis and how that can continue and and there's more children even than that. And so we just pray, God, for your, for your guidance, for your leadership, for your wisdom uh, and your provision for that. And we pray, Father, for wisdom in terms of our relationship with them and how we can support them, encourage them. As John mentioned earlier, how we can help without hurting, Lord. We thank you for uh, Merle and Claudia and, and for Eric and for others, for the other missionaries with Reach Global who are there, who have been on the ground, who understand the cultural differences, and who can help us uh, be the most effective in terms of supporting and ministering with them, alongside them, being mutually transformed, as Eric mentioned. So just bless this ministry. Bless Barbara. Thank you, God, for just giving us the privilege of being a part of what you're doing here on earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys give Barbara a big round of applause. Thank you, Barbara. All right, tonight at 6.30, if you want to get to know Barbara more, Rosser Campus, if you've got more questions about our missionaries, we've got a table out in the lobby. And uh, the question for you is just, what's your next step into the huddle? God is changing the world through us together. Hope you'll be part of it. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.cornerstone.com prescottcornerstone.com